Welcome back to Return to Oz Minute. Happy Friday, folks. I'm one of your hosts, Tierney Steele. And I'm Mike Carlucci. And we're joined for one more day by Jonathan Carlisle. Yay, TGIF. We made it. <laughs> I mean, not happy to leave or anything, but we made it here. You get a great, like, ending to your week, though. I was just saying, like, the minute ends perfectly. Um, we are it's... talking about minute 67, which starts with the voice of your majesty talking to a rock face, setting him up to see what's going on. And it ends with the rock face reporting back. There is no sign of the chicken. The chicken. chicken. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, this week was a good bookend where, you know, the first few seconds were the wheelers and then we kind of, mm-hmm. we're kind of with our crew most of the week. And then at the end of it, we're coming back into, you know, the other side of the desert, the, the other bad guys. So. Yeah. Oh nice. yeah, plot. <laughs> kind of nice little week. Nice. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad we were able to kidnap you over to our neck of the woods for Return to Oz. Um, I know you're well versed in the '80s movies, but this is a little bit different than most of the ones you were covering. A little bit more fantastical, even than The Princess Bride, which is a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I love this guy's face in this minute. Yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, Princess Bride, we don't get any, I mean, we have some special effects, but nothing like this. We don't, we don't have any claymation. This is good stuff. Yeah, this is, oh, this is the minute for it. Um, So uh, our first conversation is just between a voice and this rock face. And I'm sorry, this Gnome King has the worst security in the world. Because no one knows what the noise of multiple people crash landing on their mountain was. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they're not used to that sound, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, but he's just like, what was that? And the rock's like, I don't know. What I mean, the rock says, he says, I don't know, is great. And then when the Gnome King says, go find out, he looks like every kid being sent to do a chore by their parents. <laughs> I love the, I, I, I don't know. I'm just watching this face and I love it. I love how much motion they give to it just in a rock face. And, you know, at one, at one point he's kind of got a pig nose as he's supposed to be looking up and yeah, good. His eyes are great. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I do enjoy the rock up above, too. Mm-hmm. I thought we had a little, like, changing of the film reel blip, and then I realized it was an eye popping up before the rest of the rock face. Um, but yeah, the claymation is very interesting. And I think well done for his little spying up here. Um, and it's one of those things where I'm still impressed by this effect, even though it's many years old. It is, you know, claymation, a... I'm watching it slowly. I know how it's done. It still works for me. Mm-hmm. Especially when he like yeah. goes around the corner. That is trippy. Oh, I love that's of the the above ground rock. That's my favorite part. Is yeah, seeing mm-hmm. seeing his face go around the corner. And he's spying on them discussing what to do. And I have a lot of feelings about this. I won't get too identity politics, Mike. Don't worry. Um, but we are going to talk about this a little bit because Jack uses the gump to refer to what they built. The gump himself clearly does not consider that his body. He wants to stay just ahead. And Dorothy's basically like body shaming him. He doesn't want to be tied to a sofa. No one should make him be tied to a sofa. (laughs) I have a really big problem with this, and it it did make me... So I looked up 
Um, because there is an Oswickia, like not just for this movie, but for like the whole universe. Right. And I found uh, the best quote. It says, a gump is an elk-like creature common in the magical land of Oz. They have widespreading antlers, caprine whiskers, and a turned up nose. Gumps have a screeching cry and also possess great pride and an independent spirit. They are kind, gentle, and non-violent creatures that mostly all live deep within the forest in peace and harmony. So you leave him alone. <laughs> I like I like how he just says good riddance. You know, <laughs> they they want to do something and he's like, nope, I'm fine. Yeah. Good riddance to bad bodies. <laughs> and he's, yeah, uh, I don't know. He, he's got some fun, fun logic, I guess. I don't know. They're like, well, we still have a piece of couch here so we could tie you to that. At least you can walk. And he's like, well. There's nowhere to go too, so we're just we're just <laughs> yes. stuck here. I'm not going anywhere. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a Eeyore moment, but he seems too proud to be. I don't know. Maybe that's why I love. Yeah, it, if Eeyore didn't have depression, is this what he would be like? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Less depressed, more sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that, and I mean, I don't subscribe to all of the. Winnie the Pooh characters representing different mental states, but I do think I I kind of like the idea that Eeyore is like a very gentle children's introduction to sometimes people are sad, and um, my favorite thing now that goes around is like even though he's always sad, his friends still always invite him to like come with him on adventures and come to parties and stuff, mm-hmm. and like no one no one leaves him out. Is like oh Eeyore won't want to do that. They they always are like yeah come with. Here's a balloon. <laughs> um, I like the idea that, you know, if he was, well, just like, this would just, this would just be what he was like. He'd still have that kind of like, y- you're right. It is a weird logic thing. Like just that way of looking at the world, that very realist view. Of Although, why would I care about walking around if there's nowhere to walk to? <laughs> so, so do we get to, since we're talking about Eeyore, do we get to apply any of our living talk to him and his tail and everything? I guess they're because oh they're they're stuffed animals, but we always see them like alive. So does that mean his tail is <laughs> part of his stuffed animalness aliveness, or is it just an add-on? Are you telling me that Christopher Robin had the powder of life? Uh, oh, maybe. <laughs> He's the magician all this time. <laughs> Christopher Robin has different heads, and that's why Pooh's always missing him because he doesn't always wear oh, the right head all the time. <laughs> Where's Christopher uh, Robin? He's right there, but he's wearing a wrong head. Th- no, I can't go down this road with you because the Kenny Loggins song. No, 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 no. Um, Christopher Robin is great. Everything is fine. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, the tail is just on its own. It's fine. But they also connect it to Eeyore with a nail, which always kind of worried me as a child. Yeah, I guess. Uh, let's see. Jack has Jack probably has like ropes and stuff. I'm trying to see how they're attached. He probably doesn't have any nails in him. No, I think he's tying. I mean, we don't really see what Dorothy, how Dorothy reattaches his arm and leg because Bruce Vault just shoved a piece. You know, like. Um, but I, I think I always assumed that he was kind of tied at his limbs. I don't know. Jack, how Jack's body works has confused me since we were introduced to him. <laughs> well, I th- Jack is at least made of wood. Yeah. If there are nails on the. Like the trunk of his body. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, I guess the gump is getting off kind of easy if they just want to use the ropes again, but still. He doesn't want to be tied to a sofa. He doesn't have to be. I don't know that I'd want to be tied to that sofa. I mean, it's already starting to break up. and I mean, it, it has, they're kind of making a point that if, the, if he had the sofa, he'd be able to walk. Mm-hmm. But I don't really see that those feet are, you know, they're certainly not legs. I don't know how you just kind of hobble around on those little feet the whole time. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, he's going to go along with this and it's going to be adorable. <laughs> he does walk around on those <laughs> tiny little legs. But it, it, yeah, I really don't blame him for being like, no, I'm good here. Um, I did like the way TikTok approached it where it wasn't, you need to do this. It was every head needs a body if they want to get around. Now, he's not applying gumpy and logic to that, but what he's saying makes sense and isn't mean. It's just like, you know, hey, if you want to get around, this is this is kind of the only option. Um, I think is a much more. He's not appealing to the emotion of it because he's TikTok. Um, he's apply. He's applying to the logic of it, and he just doesn't realize that the Gump is gonna have a snappy comeback. <laughs> so, do you have any deep thoughts about what this movie is trying to say about heads and bodies and stuff? Because between Mombi and Jack and the Gump and TikTok making that comment and. This whole scene of what they're talking about, like, is there some kind of thing about, you know, the intellect, you know, on its own doesn't go anywhere? Yeah, I don't know. Is there any overarching themes that we see? I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to add to the list. TikTok also loses his mind, but he keeps his head. <laughs> hmm. First say. Yeah, I think we keep running into these big philosophical debates of where consciousness lies and who knows what and what is aliveness and I think you're right and I am very curious to see I mean I don't have an answer for you of why that is (laughs) but I kind of like the idea that a whole generation grew up and part of this is because the other movies by minutes podcast I do is about the never-ending story which also gets into, I keep joking, like, this is philosophy for children. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, the things that are coming up are really deep and meta, but because they're presented to you in this fantasy world, you just run with it as kids. <laughs> and I find it really fascinating that our generation grew up with this. Like, that this was normal, that I was, you know, four years old watching this movie, listening to the gump say... No, I think I'll stay ahead. I'm good. I never liked that body anyway. Do, do you think maybe it made a difference on us at all as we grew up that it's like, yeah, some people see themselves this way. Some people see themselves this way. Some people believe that their aliveness resides in this part of consciousness. Some people believe it resides in this. And, you know, how are we going to prove anyone wrong? You know, <laughs> Um, unless they're like scientifically wrong, if it's just what you think and it seems just as valid as what I think, let's all continue on our adventures. Yeah, sounds good. All done. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> speaking of this movie and never ending, uh, in part of my research, Tyranny, I don't know if you've already talked about this, but um, as part of my research brought up that Oz is just a part of the land of uh, Nanastica or something like that, which is AKA the continent of imagination. And in the never ending story, isn't, you know, basically like both movies that you're doing 
have a land that is like all of imagination. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'd already made that connection. The movie, The Neverending Story, calls it Fantasia. In the book, right. it's Fantastica. Okay. And it is everything. Everything anyone's ever imagined is there. So these guys are running around. Oz is part of Fantasia. If Falkor flew long enough, he could end up here. Um, it's just a matter of knowing kind of how to get there. Um, I don't know what the overarching myth is that that you were referring to. Uh, there was something about. I think that there was something about that the Oz at some point in the books Oz had been described as part of the uh, not. I think they call it Nanastica, but they said that maybe that name is doesn't show up in the books. There's some some, but anyway the mm. the. Uh, also known as is the continent of imagination. So it's almost like yeah. Fantasia and this place are maybe one and the yeah. same even. Who knows? They're the same idea, definitely. Yeah. Um, but of course, this is all real. So it's not part of... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the two movies that I'm analyzing have a lot in common other than just being mid-80s movies. It's been kind of fascinating to see the overlaps. And you can go down these rabbit holes of, wait, what What does it mean if this happens? Which, you know, when you're a kid, doesn't occur to you. This is just part of the fabric of your life. Like, it just is what it is. But I think it's really fascinating that so many of the movies we grew up with did kind of present us with these conundrums, even if we didn't realize it at the time. I think that's why I like the the Oz books. Once I actually read the stories and stuff, um, you know, it's I I think it is a good way for kids to encounter something that's different and you know, uh, just something that they're they're not used to. Open open their minds up a little bit to, you know, if you if all you ever saw was Rubik's cubes and then you see a beach ball, you'd be like, whoa, what is this? You know, it's a <laughs> it's a different construct, and I have to wrap my mind around that. So, I love that metaphor. <laughs> Speaking of which, we were at a Detroit Tigers game the other day, or a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. uh, apparently they have a rule for no beach balls, and somebody had a beach ball, and the security guy was all about getting that beach ball away from people. Oh, man. So so maybe maybe he needed some more Rubik's Cubes in his life or something? I don't know. Yeah. Um, small shout out, not that I think anyone on her staff is listening to this podcast, but is it Rosa Delorio from Connecticut? Uh, in the House of Representatives was the speaker at my college graduation and people had brought beach balls like under their robes and then blew them up and were putting them around. And of course, security was all over it trying to get them away. And she finally, because we were so distracted by like, keep that away from the security guard <laughs> that she interrupted her speech was like, just let them play with the beach ball. Like, I, like it's more distracting trying to take it away from them. And so she's always, always out of place in my heart. She's a pretty good quitter. Um, sorry, we've, we've derailed, um, <laughs> as often happens. Um, but so yeah, the- I just, I really wanted to talk about what a gump actually looked like, what the gump kind of sees in his mind when he's walking around versus the reality of his current undead afterlife situation. Do, do we know? Do I we- mean, yeah, he... He has memories of his previous life. I assume in his mind, he's just like, man, I miss my four legs, you know, and my 
kind, gentle, and non-violent life in the deep in the forest. <laughs> I don't know. Do we have any specific description? I mean, like, do they have like extremely long legs or anything, or are they just pretty much a uh, moose? Just Which... as elk-like. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know what um, C A P R I N E caprine whiskers are. Hmm. Um, I don't really see whiskers on him, but it could be that they blend. Um, but I don't know. I've just been sitting on this a while because I am so fascinated by it. But you're right. He is part of this bigger question that the story is asking about heads and consciousness and bodies. And it's really weird. But I still love this movie. Um, uh, I just looked it up. Caprine means yeah. uh, being or pertaining to or resembling a goat or goats. So okay. his, his little beard there, I guess, is probably what they're talking about. <gasps> oh, that's adorable. Yeah. I mean, he's essentially a magic moose. I mean, kind of what's going on here. Um, And then, so we don't get the resolution to this, but you've seen this movie before, so I don't feel bad leaving him (laughs) on this mountainside. Um, We follow the rock face back while he reports to your majesty, and I love that he refers to what he just saw as a small army. Well, technically, isn't TikTok the army? So he's not wrong. Yeah, but... (laughs) Oh, man. He doesn't say, like, oh, the royal army of Oz is with her. He's just like, oh, it's it's Dorothy and this small army, which I find charming. Um, and, yeah, the one thing that I'm a little sad of is we didn't see Belina hiding. And so I had to go back and rewatch to see. But, yeah, the rock has no sign of the chicken. <laughs> the chicken. Um, yeah, so... I mean, that's that's uh, the movie's kind of holding that as a little surprise for later, right? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think we they don't talk about it. Um, probably the only clue we have here is that Jack's top is back on, but they would do that anyway. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, even watching this as an adult, when we first started and I like watched it through for the first time thinking like, OK, I'm going to have to talk about this, you know, a lot. Um, I had to kind of go back, like I said, and look and see. And I do think. What Mike mentioned from the script in the earlier scene would have been helpful, where they're thinking of, they tell us, we're thinking about how Belina is not supposed to be here. So that that way, you would kind of guess sooner that Belina is hidden there. Sure. Because quite frankly, as a kid watching this, I would kind of forget about Belina. It was always a surprise to me. <laughs> so interestingly enough, uh, there is a section after the Gump says, doesn't look like there's much um, any place to get around to. Uh, the script notes that scenes 135 through 147 deleted. Oh, oh yeah. So 135 to 147. Point, yeah. Wow. And then, then, then it's in the face where he's or in the in the face. Then the face <laughs> is saying she escaped from Mombi and somehow crossed the deadly desert. So maybe on the cutting room floor or script room floor somewhere is the scene where they decide what to do with Bolina. Yeah. I wonder if you saw her, like, peeking out. Like, you could see her when they're having the discussion, but since his back is to the rock face, he went in a scene. I don't know. I just felt silly that I was in my 30s and had to, like, figure out what had happened. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what I really can't quite let go of. Um, My other note about this report... Does the Gnome King sound particularly Saruman-y to anyone else? Hmm. Guess I was not paying attention as far as that goes. He he has that same deep rumbliness. 
that I associate with Saruman. Oh, uh, you know, I can I can hear that. Okay. It's grand. Ah. Yeah, I, I kind of see I, what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I'm not complaining. I just, you know, it was a little thrown off. Yeah. No, it's 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 reminiscent of uh, what Christopher Lee could could do. I'm actually looking up the actor now to see if he and Christopher Lee are from like a similar part <laughs> of the world or not. Many uh, biography not helping me. I mean, I'm sure this is all very interesting, but not what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, born Hamilton, Scotland, UK. That is Nicol Williamson. I hope that's how you pronounce N-I-C-O-L. Because that's what I'm going with. I, th- I think we've said Nicol a couple times when it's okay. coming. Well, again, I, I am assuming I'm guessing the same way, but I hope I hope we're guessing right. Because yeah. it's pretty famous. Yeah, and then, and then Christopher Lee is London. So, I mean, neither of them is doing their <laughs> native accent in either of those roles. But I was just, I was just curious. It also might just be a function of being a grand actor at that time. Uh, but yeah, uh, given how long this air quotes mini biography on IMDb is, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about with this guy in the future. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a, that's a whole other set of effects and everything. That... Yeah, yeah. And that gets weird because it's another thing where we go back and forth between puppet and non-puppet, which is one of my favorite things to look out for. Uh, but we're not there yet for today. We're just finding out uh, what the sitch is. So do we, at this point, uh, we don't have to talk about further things, but mm-hmm. at this point in the movie, has it been explained uh, what danger Belina is? No. Just... We don't even know what it is. It just chickens aren't allowed. Okay. The Gnome King banned them. That's all we've got to go on. That's cool. Which is crazy and i kind of love it because again you sit here as an adult and you're just like what <laughs> why did i not question that at all it's just like yeah he doesn't allow chickens you got to be careful um but uh yeah we don't worry about spoilers since this movie is almost as old as we are um <laughs> and since it is friday uh, I wanted to open it up for kind of anything in this movie you wanted to talk about, not just these five minutes. Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Not to put you on the spot, but just if there was any like burning things that you wanted to talk about that weren't covered here. I. We don't want anyone to leave feeling stifled. <laughs> I think this movie caught me right away, you know, because at the very beginning, just the whole hospital scene, like that was, mm. that was not really something that I was you know, watching at that time in my life, that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and that's terrifying. It was, yeah, yeah, but it was, I don't know, it was intriguing. It was, it was different. It was darker. Um, but yeah, the, the natural wheelers, you know, in their like human state, I guess. And, and just seeing that transformation, I, I had, at that point I had seen Wizard of Oz. So I saw, I know that there's that play between, you know, who Dorothy knows in her real life and then who she meets in Oz. But, but uh, this one seemed, you know, just a little bit more out of left field, I guess, or something. Um, I think that's done so much more interestingly in this movie than just a straight one-to-one of actors. Yeah. Um, not related to the movie itself necessarily, but Oz, uh, I, again, like I said, I, this movie is the only reason why I ever looked more into the Oz stuff. So 
the the illustrated um, Marvel series uh, with Eric. Let's see if I can say his last name. Shanower, I think. Um, and Scotty Young. Scotty Young did the illustrations, and I love Scotty Young's illustrations. But um, so I got into those, and um, and then I was curious, like, well, how how true were they to the stories? And um, read some of the actual stories, and I mean those those adaptations are barely adaptations. I mean, they're right out of the book. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of got into it a little bit and, uh, we like books. I don't have a huge library, but we have a, a library in our house. And, um, my wife at a used book, uh, sale, well, not even a shop. It was just like a sale. Um, she found a road to Oz. It's not like the very, very first edition from 1909 or something like that. But best we can find, it is a 1918 copy, and uh, it's it's a little bit falling apart, but all the pieces are there, and uh, so that was that was a pretty cool find. Nice. Yeah, it's the only one we have, but it's it's a good one. Hey, it's all good. good. It's beautiful illustrations. Not you know, it's different from Scotty Young, but uh, Mm -hmm. but still nice. I love the Scotty Young stuff. Mm -hmm. I definitely need to track down more of it than just the one I have so far. Yeah, I'm really, it's nice to, it's nice, I mean, as much as I love introducing this movie to new people, it's always nice to also talk to people who already have an appreciation for it. It's a good, I think we've found a good balance in guests of people who we dragged into this world (laughs) and people who were waiting here for us. (laughs) And this this movie, after my recent uh, rereading of those uh, Oz books, um, Marvelous Land of Oz and Ozma of Oz, like this movie actually is a really good combination of those. Um, like I, I think the, some of the things that they did, like Mombi, you know, um, mm-hmm. in the, in the stories, Mombi is a different character. You know, she's like an old witch lady. And then the character who in this movie is called Mombi, um, was, she has a different name, but I, I think how they make it into one movie, one story, you know, with the runtime that they have, the things that they combine and everything, I think is, it's uh, pretty smart. And I kind of wish that I had been more familiar with Oz when this came out. So I could have, you know, even as a kid, I could have been like, oh, I see how they did that. Where, <laughs> where as a kid, this whole, this whole story was really out of left field for me. Not even just the tone of it, but like the characters. I didn't know Jack the Pumpkinhead or I didn't know what a gump was or tiktok and all that stuff i thought they were making stuff up you know because it didn't really fit what the other movie had yeah no <laughs> not at all no. oh one one detail after getting into oz stuff has nothing to do with this movie but i was very surprised to find out that the flying monkeys from you know the wizard of oz that they're not even like evil or anything that they they're kind of mis- mischievous but the only reason they're working for the witch is because they are there's like some golden band or something like that that she had possession of and and as long as she has possession of that then she has control of them or she has like a certain number of commands that she can give them or something like that hmm. but you know so they're so they're not even really evil they just have to do her bidding yeah they're just they're just doing their jobs yeah, I, yeah i'm trying to remember i really wish i knew which one i'd seen first they're both kind of neck and neck in my memory the wizard of oz and return to oz because hmm. I don't remember being afraid of anything in The Wizard of Oz. You know, because some kids were afraid of the flying monkeys. And there's all the stories of people screaming the first time they saw the Wicked Witch and her bright green skin. I was just like, nah. 
<laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it as a kid, but it wasn't. I was never scared of anything in that movie. Oh yeah, by the eighties, like I everyone do had. Wonder if I'd seen this first. Everyone had seen Star Trek, so you know, green skinned people wasn't a big deal. <laughs> I just I don't know. What's it? What is anthropomorphic trees? Though. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. my. Not that I was scared of them, but my freakiest part of yeah. Wizard of Oz is the trees. I think you know, throwing the apples back at her. Yeah, hmm. it's hard to remember. What's your? I know they always. Oh, go ahead. What? Uh, do you each have like? What's your creepiest thing from this movie, or do you not creeped out at all by any of it? Um, I am one hundred percent creeped out by the hospital in the beginning. Mm. I do not like that doctor's office. I used to catch this on TV a lot. I didn't have my own copy. And I um, loved when I could come in after that. (laughs) So I could just pretend that that part didn't happen. And it was just this adventure in Oz. Um, It was one of those where, like, I knew knew the wheelers and mommy, you know, the bad guys are scary. But in the way that, like, oh, it's it's a movie. The bad guys are scary. Not actually scared of them. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was really much more the real world. Where it was like, this is not okay. I do not like any of this. What about you, Mike? Uh, for yeah, for me, the part I I thought creepy was more towards the end with the uh, with the gnomes. Uh, I won't get into it too much, but yeah. the gnomes come out of the walls in a weird way. <laughs> well, more gnome talk later, everyone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just happened so fast. I I could see things sticking with you, like the faces and rocks and things like that, because you can find those in the real world. So yeah, that's that'll, probably that'll true. Keep you on your toes. I don't I don't have any specific memories of that, but I I had uh, I don't know I, I had a lot of like nightmares and stuff. Yeah, I was definitely one of those kids that when the lights turn off and you have a coat hanging on a chair and you see a witch kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw some faces on the wall after watching this movie. Yeah, the. The bringing in of electronics in the home in the 80s, the red light on the alarms. Do you remember that? Like, why was that light red? It made everything so much worse. Um, no, there was, a, there was a bookcase in my parents' house that the way the the way it was knotted and that it looked like a ghost. And so my sister and I were convinced it was haunted for many years. I don't know why it was stupid, but we did. And, um... Yeah, I I kind of wonder now as an adult if I had a, oh shoot now I don't remember the medical term but that thing where you wake up but you're not able to move yet because like oh. your brain and your body are in different sleep cycles. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if I if you can have that as a kid and then grow out of it. I bet I had that as a kid because it would explain a lot of my nighttime freakouts. <laughs> And then I hit middle school and like just moved on from that and hasn't happened since I feel like I should knock on wood. Um, but yeah, I absolutely remember like lying in bed and being like, oh God, why is there, any-? you know, like you almost wish it was pitch black instead because you could just, it's worse seeing the shadows. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Glad to know I wasn't alone. It's scary. Um, so everyone sleep with your nightlights on tonight. <laughs> or is, if they're, if you're me, unless they're red, then don't sleep with them on. Isn't that a Simpsons joke where they like put Maggie to bed and the nightlight is like an evil red that casts a glow over? But yeah, all the electronics had red lights on them. Maybe red was cheaper back then. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And 
because I'm trying to think like VCRs and stuff back in the day. I felt like there was always a red glowing light or at the back of it. And that was, yeah, it was not a good time. Um, man, I am not going to sleep tonight now that I'm thinking about this. <laughs> There's even more lights now. Stupid future. <laughs> um, trying to think if I have any other more notes for this minute, but that covers it. And yep, Mike and I will be back on Monday to see more of the spaces Gnome King and what the small army is going to get up to. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on this week. Oh, no. This has been really fun to talk. And thanks for indulging my uh, philosophical tangents. (laughs) (laughs) I I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, No, this was definitely one of those... One of those movies that when you guys announced that you were going to do it, I was like, oh, I definitely want to, you know, put some words in there if they'll have me. But because, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's it's a movie that I'm fond of. And, you know, hopefully maybe some people will will find some fondness for it if they don't already have it. Yeah. We've had a couple converts. It's been a good time. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it takes ice cream, but we've been able to convert people, get them to watch. And then they realize the greatness that is Return to Oz. <laughs> um, so, Jonathan, we'll let you go first with any plugs you want to give. I know, I mean, I know, I know you've said this week, but, you know, maybe someone's tuning in today for the first time. We don't know what your guys' listening schedule is like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, if they are, then, well, what an episode. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Um We like to put the in there everywhere because that's the name of the movie and uh so if you go to that website the princessbrideminute.com that has that should have all the links for the facebook group and and twitter um t public store all that good stuff we're mm-hmm. upcoming on you know the diehard minute we're joined in in that with you guys and um I'm going to be shooting off and doing the UHF minute called UHF 62 or sorry, UHF 62nd. And uh, Steve is going to go off and do X-Men minute. And uh, yeah, things just keep on going. I forgot to mention earlier when you gave the uh, Twitter handle, I very much appreciated that because my cousins and I used to call the Princess Bride TPB. But the trick was to say it as fast as you could. And so we were constantly mixing them up like TPB, TPB. P, B, okay, we got it. We got it. We're going to watch it. Because, I mean, that was a good summer movie that you would just put on, like, every, yeah. every day. But we always loved doing that. And I remember being eight and trying to say it as quickly as I could and just getting so fresh. You're like, the movie! Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's fun. In, a, in our podcast, it's fun listening to Steve because he most of the time did the wrap-up. And uh, for the longest time, he kept tripping up over the the Twitter handle because just because of that reason, you know, the TPBBTPB, you know, get, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Twitter handle for our show is Oz Minute, which mm. I find much easier. Mm. Yes. <laughs> um, that's also how you can search for us on Facebook. We've got both a page to like and a listener society to join. So if you also grew up loving this movie or if you are a recent convert you know come over there share your theories with us we always love a good uh a good explanation for things that made no sense in the movie it's like yeah we'll make it make sense and uh we also have a website that's kind of a catch-all for everything including past episodes and that is return to or if you're so inclined 
weogtiogpiog.com. Same place, just harder to spell. <laughs> but there is a minute where those words are shown on screen, so it's it's like the ultimate Easter egg. <laughs> Alright, okay. One last time with these magic words. Weog. Tiog. Tiog.